Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Heart of Markness Led Zeppelin podcast. I'm Mark. Howdy. This is a good one. And um, interestingly enough, this is the first time in a long time that this good one isn't a result of the Dogs of Doom. <clears throat> so we hate them and we are done with them forever. <laughs> ah, no, just kidding. This is a release by the Taper Group, KRWCO, and um, they do a lot of East Coast stuff, I believe. <coughs> Excuse me. You gotta forgive me. This is the worst time for the allergies, so I'm gonna be coughing up a storm. Uh, this they they have released a tape of January twenty sixth, nineteen sixty nine, the Boston Tea Party. The legendary four-hour show. This is the same recording that we've had. There's no additional material or anything. But it sounds like it's an unverified generation, so they can't declare it. But it's an upgrade. It's a significant upgrade in sound. It's a significant reduction in distortion. In places, this is an excellent tape. And it's a very interesting recording. And I almost wonder if it's if there's a matter of the left stereo mic, because it is stereo, it seems to be, uh, kind of free hanging and, and kind of rotating or moving or getting blocked, because it does seem to, to muffle and come back at times. And I don't know if it's movement of the taper, movement of the mics. Um, or if I'm misunderstanding it, it's just a, a, an artifact or a documentation of the sound system at the Boston Tea Party. <clears throat> In any case, this is one of Led Zeppelin's best shows. This is an amazing experience. I completely understand why this show went on for hours and hours, even though they didn't even have an album out. Zeppelin might have been out at this time as close it was definitely being played on boston radio because the band was really close with wbcn wbcn was close with the band and um i think they even recorded the may run at the boston tea party but the wbcn that is uh themselves <clears throat> this tape is insane because the guys have been in the country for less than a month, or maybe exactly a month. I think they got here the day after Christmas. But they are killing it. They've been killing it all along. But this is different, and this is special, and this is... Um, first of all, Boston crowds are tougher. Boston's a tough crowd because everybody's a dick. Dickish by nature. It's a grumbly, grimy, complainy, aga fuck yourself place. Now, underneath that is is a wonderful warmth and humor. <clears throat> but you have to win them over. Led Zeppelin won them over and made huge, like they did everywhere else. But this was this is something special about this one. And um, I was listening to it. Jimmy's guitar playing is different. It's very psychedelic. 
very experimental. This is very much a 1960s band still. I've mentioned this before on the earlier tapes when you can, you know, Led Zeppelin sounds like a 60s band. Jimmy with the Telecaster and that stuff is 60s. And then the Les Paul and they evolve. And by midway through 69, they're a 70s band defining the 70s sound. In this, Jimmy is very, very experimental, very avant-garde. Sometimes it seems like he goes off the rails, but very experimental. Very, 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 very experimental in this. And I listened to it and I was like, why does this remind me the vibe, not the playing, of the Velvet Underground. And then it hit me. The Boston Tea Party was the second home of the Velvet Underground. They played there all the time. They had residencies there, there in Max's Kansas City in New York City. <clears throat> so the, the Velvet Underground at that time was almost a Boston band as much as a New York band. And I know Jimmy was had been uh, related to the band in that he worked on uh, Nico's album and he and the Yardbirds just the year before spent time with um, Andy Warhol. And Andy Warhol, of course, is the man who put together the Velvet Underground and supported them. He, you know, They were one of his projects in a way. So, and more than that, um, so we have Jimmy knowing Andy Warhol, knowing the band, having met the band, having worked with Nico and, uh, maybe even Lou Reed. I I don't recall, but not only that, like, well, so Jimmy knew the band. They knew lots of people. Yes. But when that is combined with the fact that the Boston Tea Party in 1969, you know, the house band almost was the Velvet Underground. And then you combine that with the fact that the band played, uh, Zeppelin played January 23rd, 24th, um, 25th and 26th, I believe. Definitely 23rd at the Tea Party. On the 22nd, the night before Zeppelin's first appearance there, the Velvet Underground played. Zeppelin didn't have a gig. Zeppelin had four days off from their last gig because of canceled shows. Um, Why the hell did they cancel them? I don't know, man. So Zeppelin had days off, like four, three or four days off. I have everything at work. I looked this all up at work today on company time. So it's not out of the question that Zeppelin would arrive in Boston, a known rock and roll town, you know, be seen, be out and about getting the word out before their run at the tea party as a completely unknown band doing the runs at the, at the radio station. And of course, why not check out the venue at a velvet underground show since Jimmy has already met them. So I think Jimmy checked out the band at the Boston tea party and got a little bit of inspiration and I don't know, shine from it. Now that it's a stretch, not a long stretch. It's plausible. It's plausible just from the timelines, but, um, 
plausible that they saw each other. Whether or not that inspired Jimmy to be off the walls crazy at this show or not, I don't know. It could just be that he was excited. It could just be that he was going out there to prove that he was the king shit. It could be that somebody called him a pussy right before he went on stage and was like, oh, yeah? I don't know. <clears throat> but there's something about this show that I've not heard in any other show. So it reminded me of the Velvet Underground in that experimental, noisy, dissonant kind of way that they would get sometimes on occasion. Um, Jimmy, of course, with Dazed and Confused, has his little noise and avant-garde angle as well. So I think it's it's it might be something, you know? Motherfuckers laughed at me when I said that Genesis' song Misunderstanding was Phil Collins' answer to Robert's song Fool of the Rain, Fool in the Rain. They were both the same situation from a different, the other person's point of view. Robert, the one saying, oh, shit, I was on the wrong block. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stand you up. I was an idiot. Here I come. And Phil Collins, I've been standing in the rain for hours and you were late. Must be some misunderstanding. That holds water with timeline as well. This one, I don't know. It's more tenuous, but I think there's something there. I wish I could ask somebody, but Lou Reed's dead. Nico's dead. Well, she wouldn't be at this at the same... At, anyway, Sterling Morrison is dead. John Cale's alive. Mo Tucker's alive. Doug Ewell's alive. I don't know any of them, though. I don't know. If I ever meet Jimmy, and he's in a mood to talk to me, I think I will ask him that. And I'll ask him about Fool in the Rain as well. That may be a Robert question. Or a Phil Collins question. Who knows? But I've wasted ten minutes of your time which is all I want to do because that 10 minutes condensed down every single one of you listening provides me with 10 minutes of life. So the 10 minutes you lost is compounded and multiplied by the number of listeners and given back to me. That's how I stay alive. I'm a podcast vampire, but I give back. This is going to be a two-parter because it's so fucking good. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I'm going to play almost all of it because it's it's amazing and we're going to start with the opener get your bootleg ears on what comes through loud and clear all the time is jimmy's guitar the recorder is obviously on jimmy's side the rest of the band can be heard uh in headphones can be heard just fine but the recording does get better in places but it's not bad it's not bad don't get me wrong this is not bad and it's a million times better to my ears because I, I, I couldn't play this for you before, but this came out and it is so much better. And in places, it is, it is excellent. So let's get uh, Train Kept a Rolling. And you'll hear what I mean with the craziness. All right, here we go. Train Kept a Rolling, Boston Tea Party, January 
coming out hot. And and they they do their uh, very well planned. I think John Paul Jones. I read a quote from him today. I think it was on um, on Wikipedia. I was looking up the touring dates of the Velvet Underground and Zeppelin, and um, they talk about how they do that three song before they even say "Hey, good evening." Before they even say "How's it going," they come out and they just bash through with three songs back to back like with this they go straight from train tip to rolling into i can't quit you baby which we're not going to play um and then after that they go into uh, the song that i am going to play now which is killing floor which is going to become the lemon song and another one of those blues songs that zeppelin just appropriated but it is fucking amazing and the fact that this is just, I mean, aside from the dates in Europe, which I guess should still count. So this isn't Zeppelin's first time on the road, but they're still a brand new band, a brand new band. Two of them are 20 years old and they're on the road and they're coming in and introducing themselves to this public this time. The the Boston audience that's like, Show us what you got, motherfucker. And if it's good, we'll love you forever, which is true. And they won him over. Just imagine sitting in that audience, seeing Led Zeppelin, maybe after hearing a few of their songs on WBCN, and getting your socks blown off by that. Next, we have The Killing Floor, which is fucking ridiculous. You know, Jonesy, Jimmy, and Robert are, of course, everybody is is at 11 doing exactly what I just said, trying to win over that crowd, trying to turn every single one of those audience members into fans, and which they, they succeeded at. Everybody who left that show left going, holy fuck. <clears throat> so let's jump into Killing Floor, which... Uh, is a Willie Dixon tune. Howlin' Wolf does the most popular version of it that I'm aware. And um, it's just great. It's just frenetic. And absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Here we go. Killing Flower. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Okay. Now we get to meet where the rubber meets the road. We're going to play Dazed and Confused. And I hope you enjoy this wild, wild time. And keep in mind that maybe they didn't play four hours. They might have played three. But they're banned with one album. That might not even be... i got to look up when that came out. It might have come out by the 26th. Um, but with one album. They're touring on one album. So they play their whole set. They play their whole set again. And then... People are still clamoring for more. They're playing songs that they know. They're jamming. They're playing half-known songs that one of them knows. They're, it's, it's, it's legendary. And, and there doesn't seem to be a tape of it which is understandable because it was a complete surprise and there aren't going to be a million people lining up to tape Led Zeppelin on their first initial inaugural who the fuck are these guys appearance. But goddamn, the people that were there say it was wonderful. And you can hear that. The band is clicking with the audience. And you'll hear that in Dazed. You'll hear them gaining an appreciation. This is a very well thought out, well structured Dazed You'll hear Jimmy using his bow melodically a lot more, which again, some and this is some of the things in Dazed reminds me reminded me of the Velvet Underground with John Cale and his viola. So maybe you'll hear it. Maybe I'm just full of shit. But in any case, here is the best band in the world on one of their best nights ever, and everybody, almost everybody in that venue is seeing them for the first time, and many of them are hearing them for the first time. Holy shit. Enjoy.
apologize and confuse. Um, this is a thing off the album, it's, we give it credit to Woody Dixon, it's called You Shook Me. I think from the reaction of the audience, the album must have been out at that time, or must have must have been played on Boston radio. And, uh, man, I hope you enjoyed that, friends. We're going to have a part two. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube under the name Heart of Markness. I have a website as well called heartofmarkness.com. That's where you can download this show in its entirety. And let me read you the set list. We've got... Bum, bum, bum. Train Captain Roland. I Can't Quit You, Baby. Killing Floor. Dazed and Confused with Shapes of Things. A little bit Robert sang in there. You Shook Me, which is fucking crazy good. Communication Breakdown, which has a crazy good start. We're going to hear that next week, both of them. White Summer, Black Mountainside. Babe, I'm going to leave you. Pat's Delight, which is Bonzo's solo. And A Killer, How Many More Times? With Duke of Earl, Kisses Sweeter Than Ever, For Your Love, and Over Under, Sideways Down. It doesn't get much better than that. I cannot wait to do that one. Friend O's. Why don't you just do it? Just do an extra long one tonight. No, I am not going to do that. We're going to make this a two-parter. Man. All right. If you like what I do and you like how I do it, take a look at patreon.com slash heartofmarkness or press the Patreon button on my site when you're there downloading these shows. And maybe there's something there to interest you in becoming one of the elite, one of the titans upon whose shoulders rests this mighty yet humble podcast. So a laurel and hearty handshake go out to Stephen, George, Big Ed, Kenny, John from West Footscray, Picard, Knagarn, Chris, Rob from Melbourne, Australia, Wayne, Brad, Danielle, Tracy, David, Bonzo Billy, and Mimo. Thank you, my friends. Thank you for allowing me to do this. Thank you for helping me do this. God bless you all. All right. Thank you very much, friends. I'll be back maybe this weekend with a classic rock episode, but definitely next Thursday with part two of the Boston Tea Party show. Enjoy and please be good to yourselves and each other. Adios.